Live from a secure concrete bunker somewhere in Ohio, New Thought Media Network presents Pastor Michael Mangus with Friday's Fireside Chat, spiritual conversation for today. Here he is from the secret radio room, surrounded by thousands of watts, Pastor Michael Mangus. Well, good evening to everyone across the nation and around the world. It is time again for another fun-filled, thrill-packed, and always sunny (laughs) edition of the Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Network. I am Pastor Michael Mangus, broadcasting from the secret radio room surrounded by thousands of watts in an extremely secure concrete bunker. So it's really good to have everyone with us this evening. We have a great show for you tonight. Please feel free to interact with us by posting your comment below on Facebook. And again, if you feel shy, (laughs) you don't want to be on the air or have your comment posted on Facebook. I understand. All you need to do is to go ahead and send me an email, Pastor Michael Mangus, at gmail.com, pastormichaelmangus at gmail.com. I don't have a chance to read everything while I'm on the air. So again, give me a little lag time, and then I'll get back to you. The purpose of our fireside chat is always to talk about contemporary issues from a spiritual and or a new thought perspective. And as I keep saying over and over and over again, I want us all to have a new thought about what is going on around us. That, yes, that's some of the stuff that's going on is not very pleasant. However, that we can thrive through that if we allow ourselves to do that through the teachings of the science of mind, new thought, and also the other spiritual teachers in our movement. So once again, I get an email from the legal department of the New Thought Media Network. And they said, make sure that you read your disclaimer every week. All right. Written for me by the legal department of the New Thought Media Network, the views and opinions expressed by the host and his guests are their own. They do not at all, represent the views and opinions necessarily of the New Thought Media Network, Centers for Spiritual Living, Holmes Institute, Reverend Robert, Reverend Z, Diego, his beautiful wife Mercedes, or Winston, Diego's pet pig. As they say in a 12-step recovery program, take what you like and leave the rest. And now back to our regular programming. The topics that we talk about sometimes are not pleasant. 
And the reason that I talk about them is to, they said in ministerial program that my job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So that's what this show is about. Our The show is about us using this time to thrive, even though, again, there's a lot of chaos going on around us. Our special guest in the second half of the show, which we pre-recorded, is someone I've been meaning to ask for several months, the founder of the Science of Mind Archives, board member for the Hefferlin Foundation. We are so glad to have on minister and author, Reverend Dr. Marilyn Leo, to speak about her new book entitled Mother of a Mystic. It's about Ernest Holmes' mom, Anna Holmes. So it's been a great interview. We did it earlier. So Diego was telling me beforehand in the pre-show, he said, now, Pastor Mangus, we know that you like to talk. All right. When the... <laughs> When it hits 20 on your clock, shut up. <laughs> so we have time for the interview. So no, Marilyn Leo was absolutely wonderful today. So we'll have that show coming up. We'll have that interview coming up. And hopefully uh, we will start uh, probably about uh, 20, 25 after. So in the news this evening, we do lead with COVID-19. Our total number of cases, 28,580,198. Cases in the last seven days, 437,888. And our total number of deaths, including my mother, Edamangus, 517,224. The new death cases, the daily new death cases from yesterday to today was 1,947. We have some good news on the vaccine front. Delivered has been 100,009,905,530, which is a lot of doses and administered 82,572,848. The numbers themselves are trending downward, which is absolutely wonderful news, including the hospitalizations. And we are still in the midst of this. And we'll talk briefly about the states that are saying, oh, we're just going to go ahead and open up. <laughs> Not a good idea. We'll talk about that in a moment. Hello, Irene. Irene Kennedy. She says, hi, Michael. Welcome, Irene, to the Friday evening fireside chat here on the New Thought Media Network. So what we need to know from CNN is that Johnson & Johnson's single-dose corona vaccine, which is the third corona vaccine shot authorized for use here in the U.S. is being administered this week, which is really good. The U.S. House passed a version of the, President Biden's massive COVID-19 stimulus bill 
The legislation is now being debated in the Senate. And India's homegrown Covaxin vaccine is showing an 81% effective rate early data shows. Other countries have developed their own vaccines. For example, China and Russia and now India. From CNN, this is from Dr. Anthony Fauci. He said that the U.S. shouldn't loosen coronavirus restrictions until daily new cases fall below 10,000. says the U.S. shouldn't ease restrictions in place to prevent COVID-19 before the number of the new coronavirus cases falls below 10,000 daily, and maybe even considerably less than that, Dr. Anthony Fauci said on Thursday. The U.S. should pull restrictions gradually. I wish some of the senators down south would get that memo here. (laughs) After a substantial portion of Americans are vaccinated, Fauci told CNN's Jake Tapper yesterday. The last time the U.S. saw fewer than 10,000 new daily cases was almost about a year ago when this whole thing started. This whole thing broke out. The number has not fallen below 50,000 daily cases since mid-October, and the seven-day average on Wednesday was more than 64,000. We will be pulling back, said Fauci, President Joe Biden's chief medical advisor. We're now up to around 2 million vaccinations per day. This means that every day that goes by, every week that goes by, you have more and more people protected. Fauci's comments come as some states begin to pull back restrictions, including doing away with some of the mask mandates and allowing businesses to fully open, increasing the number of people allowed at mass gatherings. And they're also talking about this whole idea of letting centers of worship churches, synagogues, mosques, to open up back to their capacity. Fauci said this, one of my favorite words, that is inexplicable. Did I say that right? Inexplicable. All right. Hopefully I said that right. Fauci said earlier, not only are tens of thousands of Americans infected each day, but research suggests that variants threaten another surge. Earlier this week, the governors of Texas and Mississippi say that they were lifting the mask mandates and allowing businesses to operate at full capacity immediately or within days. Announcements came as health experts warned that the spread of the more transmissible coronavirus variants risk uh, sending infection rates soaring once again. I won't go into the rest of this, but we're not out of the woods on this yet. And even though that there are state governors that are saying, okay, enough is enough, That's their opinion. What the CDC is recommending, though, in those areas, 
Dr. Walensky, the head of the CDC, is saying that we still need to follow the protocol here. We are not out of the woods yet. So what can we all do here? We're not victims of this. We need to still follow the science, for God's sakes. Wear a mask. Consider a double one when you go out. Watch your distance. Wash your hands. All those things they've been telling us for about a year now. Crack open a window and, and insist that others outside your bubble wear a mask in your home. Please, for God's sakes again, consider the science before deciding not to take the vaccine. As for me and my house, we will get vaccinated because it is safe and highly effective. So we will get the vaccine. And please be patient. I was eligible as of yesterday to book my appointment. And I think that my friend Pamela and I, we went to like five or six different websites. <laughs> we had to be on a waiting list. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be out of town next week. And we'll tell you about that in a moment. So we're hoping that I can at least get uh, the first round of shots before we go. But we all need to be patient here. We all need to watch our thinking about this. What I'm noticing across the nation and around the world is, again, that we're slipping into COVID uh, fatigue. People are getting sick and tired of this. And I get that. But that does not mean that we can go ahead and, again, that the all clear has been given because it has not. The governors of these states are going AMA against medical advice. So, again, take care of yourself. Do more spiritual practice. Focus on one, what you can do rather than what you can't do. Again, remember to that to socially distant does not mean to socially isolate. So stay in contact with others through phone calls and also Zoom. Let's all know that we do have light at the end of the tunnel here and that for a while we're still going to have to wear a mask. And again, even with the vaccine, and again, uh, from what I understand, again, we should have <laughs> plenty of vaccine by this summer. Is even with the vaccine, it's going to take a while here before we achieve some type of herd immunity to go back to somewhat normal. But again, let's just all be patient here. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but we need to watch our thinking here and be careful, all right? All right. Well, good evening to everyone. Welcome. This is the Friday Evening Fireside Chat here on the New Thought Media Networks. I am Pastor Michael Mangus. I have a few announcements, and then we're going to go to a break. And then following the break, we'll come back with the interview that we did earlier with the Reverend Dr. Marilyn Leo, which is uh, it's great. If you're interested in the history of the science of mind and spirit, if you're interested in Dr. Holmes, oh, you're going to find a lot of good stuff uh, from uh, Marilyn Leo here in just a few moments. 
Yours truly is parking himself here at the Summit CSL. For more information, go to the summitcsl.org website. There you will find all kinds of information about our wonderful Sunday service online at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific time. Grab your cup of coffee, your tea, your chai, your espresso. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Come and join us. It's a great time. I really do believe that we do have one of the best services that I've ever experienced because I think that we do have a balance of teaching. We have a balance of interaction, all kinds of good stuff. So make sure that when you get up on Sunday mornings to please join us. Also, this Sunday, we'll start our March theme of life with our spiritual director, Diana Mangus. So please, again, go to summitcsl.org for more information. Our service is also simulcast on the Summit Spiritual Center of Akron Facebook page, and our Facebook page also has past broadcast of the world-famous and ever-popular Fireside Chat. (laughs) So the one thing I'd like to talk to you about this evening I've gotten comments of people saying, well, how can we help support the show? Well, one of the ways that you can help is by sharing it on your Facebook page. There's a little button on the... Anyhow, (laughs) it's really hard for me to point there. Share it. There's a share button right below. Please share this to your Facebook page. That gets the message out to more people than we ever could. Now, I do share it on several Spiritual New Thought sites, but again, our best best, uh, leads come from referrals. So you are our referral network here. I'm currently open for practitioner sessions, also Sunday speaking and ceremonies, so please get in touch with me, PastorMichaelMangus at gmail.com. PastorMichaelMangus at gmail.com. All kinds of activities here happening at the New Thought Media Network. If I started into them, it would take us all the way to 9 o'clock, but I'm not going to. So just go on ntmedia.org. Lots of new programming coming up. And I'm asking for your help. You get a double blessing when you give to New Thought Media Network. You not only get the joy of giving, but also that you get the the wonderful benefit of sharing this message not only in the United States, but around the world. And I put a bill on Reverend Robert's desk, (laughs) and he told me that we have to raise the money for it. Please help us. We have all kinds of wonderful premiums, but the the best premium is you getting involved here with your financial contributions because that really helps us, again, to buy new equipment, to be able to upgrade what we have, and also, again, to be able then to share this message globally. So please help us ntmedia.org slash donate. 
And again, uh, you'll find all kinds of information there on that website. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll have a wonderful interview with the Reverend Dr. Marilyn Leo. Well, it's a real honor this evening to have on our show someone who I've admired for years, and it's wonderful to see her on Wednesday evenings during Dr. Tom Sanar's class uh, that, again, a group of us uh, come online to experience with him. Dr. Marilyn Leo has been a part of religious science since childhood. Her father, Reginald Armour, was very close to Ernest Holmes from the year 1915 when he was a boy of 12, and the families remained close throughout Holmes's life. Dr. Marilyn has served on many committees for United Church, now Centers for Spiritual Living, as the Director of World Ministry of Prayer, Ecclesiastical Officer and Vice President, Organizational Renewal Project, the Chair of the Global Corps, as well as the President, Secretary, and Treasurer at different times for the Wisdom Council, that's the Retired Ministers Association. She's also received several special recognitions, including the Living Treasure Award given by her ministerial colleagues. In 2009, uh, Dr. Marilyn received the Golden Heart Award, also given by the United Clergy of Religious Science. United Church has also honored her with honorary recognitions of Doctor of Divinity and also Doctor of Religious Science. Though retired, <laughs> I think she refired, though, from her usual ministerial duties. She was granted uh, President Emeritus of the Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, in which she founded. She is also one of the founding board members and continues to serve, along with Dr. Tom Sanar and others, on the Board of Trustees for the Hefferland Foundation, an independent nonprofit foundation supporting the teachings of the Science of Mind. In that capacity, she is the Corporate Secretary and Co-Chair of the Education and Scholarship Committee. Besides her books, which she has written many of them, The Chronicles of Religious Science, and also in his company, Ernest Holmes Remembered, which is also available as an ebook in Spanish. She has written articles for the Science of Mind and Creative Thought magazines, contributed the manuscript for That Was Ernest, written by her father, Dr. Reginald Armour and published by Divorce. She also compiled and edited Love and Law, published by Jay Tarcher, and also wrote the foreword for one of my favorite books on treatment, of which I've taught lessons from, John Waterhouse's books, Five Steps to Treatment. It's one of the clearest books I've ever read on treatment, and, and I've taught that at my center. She's also included in the Conversations with Ernest, published by Science of Mind Publishing. Uh, Dr. Marilyn has been working with the Science of Mind Archives for 20 plus years and created the Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, a nonprofit organization that houses all the archival information for Centers for Spiritual Living. It is a living archives in which there are constant additions being contributed. And again, we'll have information about that here, uh, about how you can get in contact with Reverend Dr. Marilyn and also how you can get in contact with the archives. This is the first time, Dr. Marilyn, I've ever talked to a, um, a cover person. <laughs> Marilyn was honored in the Science of Mind magazine, November uh, 2020 issue by being on the cover. And inside uh, is an interview. There you go. And a brief article by her. 
Her most recent book is Mother of a Mystic, Life of Anna Holmes, which is now out and available on Amazon. It is my pleasure to introduce to the Friday evening fireside chat, the Reverend Dr. Marilyn Leo. Wonderful to have you on the program this evening. Thank you, Michael. Nice to be here. And I guess we have a few things to talk about because there's a lot of a lot of years of experience here, a lot of years of activities and, uh, well, experiences. That's why I appreciate having you in the class on Wednesday evenings uh, in Dr. Tom's class. And because I think that a lot of times that um, we, I know for myself, I really like to have a sense of history that this has been going on for a while. And I think that sometimes that we, this is my opinion. Sometimes we lose that as we go on. So, so my, my first, and I said, uh, I went over these questions with Dr. Marilyn beforehand, but I, I said, this is the common question everybody probably asked you. So how was it growing up with your family right next to Ernest Holmes? And what was your impressions of Ernest as a young child and teen? All right. Well, uh, without going into too much uh, background, uh, my mother and father, uh, well, Reg, he was my stepfather, and my he married my mother when I was eight years old. And uh, so we we moved into the house with Ernest and his son. So I got my big brother that I had wished for in my very young years. And, um, uh, and Ernest and Hazel, of course, and their dog Prince and others of the family lived right I don't know how to explain it, but um, let's just say next door. And as a young person, and I went to walk to school every day, the I would walk through their back, their, their property, which was three and a half acres. And so we would walk over the hill, what we called the hill, and walk over the hill down to the main boulevard to, to walk to school. All the things that I remember about that um, that time is that uh, Ernest was always at our house all the time, and we were at his house all the time, and uh, or I'll just say daily, okay, frequently, very frequently. And uh, my mother would uh, be cleaning house, vacuuming, you know, the living room or something, and he'd he'd walk in and say, "Hey, I got a a pot of chili, so here's some extra chili for you guys." And so he said, you know, my mother would say, well, would you move, help me move this couch so I can vacuum? And he would move furniture around for her so she could vacuum. But then he would go home and then so our house would be reorganized. And she, said she, could, <laughs> she could move the furniture back. Yourself. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they were they were around a lot and they came over and. Uh, we would have, let's say, parties, and there would be the institute staff, and as well as ministers, as well as uh, Ernest and Hazel, and we would play uh, games. They, hey, Ernest and Hazel loved children, and they they t uh, treated us the same as they treated adults, and they talked to us the same as they talked to adults, and so we got to be there when and participate in the parlor games that they would play. Sometimes they would play poker. And I remember this shield, uh, this kind of 
shield that Ernest would uh, to wear, that, <laughs> you know, protect his eyes from the light and playing the poker game is all very serious, you know. <laughs> there were other games that they played, uh, mostly other games. And um, so that's pretty much what I what I remember. And I remember going to their house all the time for uh, for parties. And they had um, a lot of people. I don't remember all the people they, that they had, but even after they moved in 19, now see, I moved there in 1943 uh, when my parents were married. And they moved from there in 1949 um, to be closer to the Institute building, which was up at six. The Institute building was on sixth street near Wilshire and Vermont. And they moved their home to just west of that at Sixth Street, and mm. and then their final home, which the church owned, and uh, it was a little bit further west on on uh, Lorraine, on South Lorraine. But even then, we were there all the time. My 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 father, that was his route to go to the institute every day from where we were in Palms, and he would just drive up. Sixth Street all the way up, and uh, so he passed their home all the time. Mm -hmm. How 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 wonderful! Not much is is known about Ernest's mom, uh, uh, Anna. So, what was your motivation writing your current book, and what can we learn from Anna Holmes's life? Well, there are a lot of things that I never knew about her. I remember her, but uh, she was you know very elderly because she passed in nineteen. 49, I believe it was. And uh, yes, I was believe they moved and then she passed, I guess, the same year. I was talking to our, the president of the archives and also Kathy, the executive director. And uh, the president is Jim Van Cleve. And he was saying, you know, there's one one person that we really don't know anything about. And I and he said, that's uh, Ernest's mother. And what kind of uh, influence did she have on the on the beginnings or of the uh, Science of Mind Institute of the of the whole religion and all, all of that? Well, it's a philosophy, not a religion, but of the whole uh, deal of Science of Mind. And I said, you know what? I think that's my next book. That's a good idea. And so that's what got me started on it. And so then I started digging, and I knew that I had a a journal that um, Fenwick, the nephew of Ernest, um, had given me in is the genealogy and of ancestry of of the Holmes family, basically Jerome's wing. He was one of Ernest's brothers, and so uh, I was able to use that. Plus, we had in the archives personal notes uh, from Anna to Ernest and Hazel. And Kathy said, oh, that would be wonderful, you know. And, and so there were just lots of things that we found. And I knew, too, that uh, Reg, uh, Reginald Armour, was um, one of the first practitioners, as well as Anna Holmes. And they, and they uh, shared an office uh, in the original um, office building up on um, Wilshire and Wilton, I think. Anyway, so so I thought that would be very interesting. And I remembered her at um, the Institute, like Thanksgiving, the um, 
the women would uh, create these baskets to give to to people and then they would auction well not auction they raffle them off and um hazel would buy loads and loads of tickets you know and um and um mother Holmes was always there too and so i remember her at those those functions as well as just being very quiet and and watching at different times so so what can we i from my understandings i mean she was one wonderful practitioner so what can we learn from uh, Anna's life that we can apply today? Um, hmm. That's a very interesting question. <laughs> um, you know, she was from a farm and raised in the, on a farm and she had a pretty, um, what we would call a pretty rough life at that time because of her, her losing her father at a very young age. And in fact, I don't know that she, I, you know, I should re review the book, uh, uh, but, but she was very young or maybe she never knew him. I'm, I'm not quite sure. So the, um, what she became after that and, and how her background helped her to become who she was, she and her husband had very, um very religious backgrounds they read from the bible every day they're taught they taught their children every day she wrote she wrote poetry she she had a wonderful heart as well as a constitution of of uh, worth at work ethics and she supported her children in whatever they were doing as she first came to california after when Fenwick had come here, he wasn't all the healthiest of people. And he came here to um, for his uh, ministry because, you know, there were three brothers that became ministers. There was Jerome, Fenwick and uh, Ernest. And uh, so Fenwick was the first one to come out here to California for a to be a minister at a congregational church. And um, so he had some health challenges and his mother came out here to uh, to California to be with him and to support him however she could. And so she did that. And then Ernest came out to visit. And um, and and anyway, that's, you know, I'm not going to give tell you what happens in the book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, buy, buy the book. It's available on Amazon. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, make sure that you go ahead. If you're wondering uh, who we are talking with, we are talking with uh, the living legend of religious science. As uh, Dr. Marilyn Leo this evening, we're so glad she's on the fireside chat with us here on the New Thought Media Network. So the reason I asked the next question is because, again, we have a lot of uh, ministerial students. We also have a lot of practitioners who watch this program. So what caused, I know that you grew up in the movement, but what caused you to become a practitioner and a minister in the movement? Well, in the early 70s, 1970s, my father was, um, of course, he was very involved until he passed on in 1977. But finally, after several years of him urging me to take science of mind courses, now remember, I, 
how old was I in the 70s, 40 or something? And uh, so finally, after the life I had been living, which wasn't all that much fun, was, um, which is another story, which we're not going to go into today. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, I finally decided to take my dad up on, on his invitation for a scholarship to take Science of Mind 1. And at that time, it was a year. And Science of Mind 2 was a year. And Science of Mind 3 was a year. So I got through Science of Mind 2. And then Science of Mind 3 was not being taught at the Institute. But it was being taught in the Beverly Hills Church by Bill Hart. And so I went there. And then I got messed up again and quit. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, then um, I finally I, I went back. In uh, I don't remember quite when, but the late 70s, I went back and, uh, and oh, I know when it was. It was in 78, 78, 79, and, uh, and started uh, Practitioner 1 and Practitioner 2 with, with Dr. Bill Hornaday at Founders Church. I was living wow. nearby and, uh, and took those classes from him. Did not complete science of mind um, practitioner too because i uh, reunited with an old flame richard leo and um and so in in march of 1981 we were married and he became my minister and my practitioner teacher okay i'm not gonna say what kind of experience that is other than it isn't easy to take practitioner courses by your husband with your husband <laughs> it's a challenge let's just say that anyway i that's did what we usually set we usually separate the uh, the spouses uh, and that's and there's a good but no i i can i can relate with that but go ahead it's a good idea right and um uh, because they don't want to show privilege or special um uh, you know a special concerns over their their wife or their you know their uh, child or whatever so sometimes they go a little bit overboard the other direction and but at any rate i passed and we had uh, several um, several other people now richard was a minister at that time in santa rosa at the santa rosa church which of course is a big church by edward balloon now but at that time it was a small a small church, a couple of hundred, I think. And um, at any rate, we had a wonderful time. I became a practitioner. We uh, later, um, not much later, but we purchased property up in Oregon, wanted a mini Asilomar experience for people. We had 40 acres. We built our home. We, did, we um, created a wonderful place there. We had a wonderful uh, experience of um, of ministers. No, it was a district three convention. That's when we we were broken up in districts. It was district three convention, and they all came to Ashland, Oregon, and we were the hosts. Richard and I were the hosts, and um, and so after that week of busing people and bringing them up to for a silent retreat at our uh, 40 acres and, and different things that went on. The day everyone left, 
Richard came down with bronchitis, which he had never experienced before since childhood. And from that bronchitis, then he um, had Guillain-Barre and became paralyzed. Then it was time that somebody had to take his place. And I had the background and, and, and it was part of the, uh, the, the board of, uh, we, of the church that we created there. So um, the um, United Church then gave me official ministry help or whatever. And so I could do weddings and, and different things that Richard would normally be doing. Although I'm not sure he would have gotten up on that roof and married that couple, that roofer and his, and his fiance, which I did. It was a, on the cover of the paper, newspaper. But so anyway. Stop. So you <laughs> went up on a roof. I did to perform a wedding ceremony. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But um, I refused to but go on uh, wear robes, you know. But, but then we're getting off, and uh, uh, because it was so hot up there, you know, Medford gets pretty warm in the summertime. Um. So anyway, that's that's where I am, and um, so I so I became a novitiate minister while I was in the school of ministry. But we just thought that since uh, I was doing the work anyway, that um, I might as well get licensed. And, and so then all of this other stuff happened. And um, there were several other things besides that, that wedding that, that, uh, that I did performed as, as a minister. I didn't have to be a minister, but they wanted ministers, you know, yes. including, um, um, being a uh, a chaplain in in two hospital in in two hospitals up there in uh, in Oregon. Mm -hmm. So your work here in the past few years has been with the Science of Mind archives. So talk to us about the archives and th their importance in continuing the history of our movement. Well, when. Um, uh, when I was working there in the uh, at the institute building, I found that they were they had made a couple of moves in and out because they were rebuilding and and fixing and remodeling and doing all kinds of things. And they then they finally did tear down the old beautiful building and rebuild another building. So during that time, they had moved everything out of that building to another building across the street, which was. Um, well, I don't need to say. And um, um, what I found in the new building where they had brought everything back were things on the floors of unused. There were four stories. And on the fourth floor, I had great, beautiful plans for either the third, third or fourth floor that practitioners would have offices up there, which never, never matured. But when I was walking around up there, just getting the feeling of it, I found things that were just thrown on the floor. I thought, what in the world is this? And it was, it was uh, what particular thing it was, was the commentaries of um, the Science of Mind textbook. And it was a book and it just thrown on the floor like it was going to be trashed. I thought, this is terrible. Anyway, so I took it home, of course. And um, and then at some point later, uh, at a 
um, retired ministers meeting that we were having there at um, at the building. I believe it was that building, yes. Uh, Dr. Robert uh, Gale, who was the COO at the time, he came into there uh, into the meeting, and he asked for volunteers to take a look at all the stuff, and he, I think he used that term, <laughs> in this little room downstairs in the, um, in the basement and see what we could, uh, uh, what we could do to c- begin creating an archives. So Richard and I both were there at the meeting and we both had met Ernest. Uh, Richard had met him in his last years. He didn't know Hazel, other than he had moved them from the house uh, on the 6th Street to the house in Lorraine. But it was so it's right around that time. And he had been in the Navy and, and taken dri- driven in to class each week. But other than that, he didn't, uh, he wasn't around. But um, he did chauffeur Ernest Holmes occasionally down to Tijuana and different places that he wanted to go. So we were back. Oh, yes. So Richard and I just decided, and and I think the whole group decided that with the rest of their help in in deciding what would be kept and what what wasn't part of um, Science of Mind, that, that Richard and I decided we would go to an elder hostel, which is now called Rhodes Scholars, I think. But uh, we would go for a week's class in Durango, Colorado at the University Pacific, I think it was called Pacific College University there, and uh, learn about archiving, which we did. It was a very interesting. We set up a whole archiving for, for a company there. And we came back and created what we felt was um, a good um, guidelines, a handbook kind of thing. And we asked for volunteers. We asked for um, some money to support us in in gas, driving back and forth. It was about an hour and a half drive every time we came. And and we got some of that and we gave our volunteers lunch when they would come and we would be in there for a full day, about every week or 10 days during, during that time. And then uh, Richard became ill and, um, and then he passed on in 2020, 2001, October. I had a lot of deaths in my family that year. Anyway. Um, so, you know, after that, then the, uh, the progress of, of moving and, and lots of things happened. But then when the United Church decided to move from Los Angeles, um, they didn't know where they were going to go, but they were going to move out of Los Angeles. They went to Burbank for five years. We moved the archives into another small room. No windows, no heat, no, no cooling system, but we were there. And um, with Ann Ray's help, that's Reverend Ann Ray in Santa Fe, before she was a minister, she would come and meet me there. And she knew how to do um, put things, database, into the archives. I knew nothing about into the um, 
into computer. I knew nothing about doing that. And so the two of us um, created that and, and got an inventory of everything. And then in five years, they decided, okay, we're going to move completely out of Southern California and we're going to move to uh, Denver, Colorado. They have, uh, they have bought a building and, and they're going to move. And so we're going to move the, the archives. We're going to move everything there. And I said, <laughs> I don't think the archives should be moved out of Southern California. So I went to the Heflin Foundation, asked for their help. I, um, and created a, with the help and agreement of the Heflin Foundation, United Church, and Religious Science International, those three, I went to all three of them, made my plea for help and, and decision, and created a um, nonprofit foundation to support the archives. And all three organizations said that they would financially support, and they gave initial um, funds to, to start it. And, um, and then Heffalink has continued over the years, giving a couple hundred thousand over the years. And um, we moved, we found um, um, uh, Reverend uh, Dr. Christian Sorensen has a good sized campus and he had a building that wasn't being used all the time. And he just, he said that we could come in and do whatever we wanted to that building, which we remodeled and fixed the roof and all kinds of things. And we went uh, and we moved everything down there. And George St. John's was the president of Heflin Foundation. If it hadn't been for him, none of this would have happened, let me tell you. He was 100% plus the whole Heflin board. But, but um, then two years later, anyway, we moved to uh, Golden, Colorado because they had space. They had space up there. They weren't using. They were looking for renters. So we decided, well, okay, we'll, we'll go up there. And, uh, and so we did. And we take up <clears throat> now from that tiny little room down in the basement, the garage, uh, underground garage. And um, we now have, I don't know how many rooms, but I would say about a quarter of the building of, of, of the headquarters in Golden. We have a very good size and we could use more space actually with, our, uh, with the library and the, and the archives. So that was a very long story. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that it's really important that we uh, that we talk about these things, because a lot of times stories like this get lost in the um, in the course of time. So I think it's, so I'm really glad that you went into that. Uh, so we only have a few more minutes here. I wanted to talk about. Uh, one of my favorite books of all times, which is Love and Law, which you had a wonderful part in uh, putting together. So as someone who has read and studied Dr. Holmes over the years, did his philosophy and beliefs change over the years or were they pretty constant? My personal opinion is they were very constant. Uh, right from the very beginning, uh, he had ideas. I, I think he perhaps expanded uh, somewhat, but, but uh, no, I think that his basic ideas 
is included in the life of God and that we are all the presence. I, I think that in the beginning, people did not um, perhaps understand or want to, to go that deep philosophically. And so they, they studied things like what the law does or what we can, how we can manipulate the law or whatever it was they were teaching. I'm, I'm not sure. And that's not every, everyone. That was just some. So, but I think that perhaps, and I'm not involved with education anymore, but perhaps they're teaching more of the true Ernest Holmes. I hope they are because Ernest Holmes was very deep. He studied so many philosophers, so many artists, so many um, engineers. He knew about the science, act, the activities of science before any of us. We're not just, just now learning about things that he knew about way back then in the 20s and 30s. And uh, we had no idea, but, but that's where he was. He was right on top of everything that uh, was going on. So, uh, yes. So the answer is, I do believe that the base, his basic concepts, the, the first, what I believe that was to the very end of his. And I believe that the original, um, what I believe is extremely important that we keep that original. And some people like to change words because of our uh, our culture changes, and and that's normal, I guess. But I think we meet, need to make sure that if we're going to change words, that the that the words must have the same meaning. Yes, the text must have the same meaning. And sometimes the words get changed, and we think, well, that means the same thing. Well, it doesn't really. So we need to really be careful of that, I think. Yeah, thank you so very much on that. Um, I wanted to ask you this question because it keeps coming up. I know that in my Holmes Institute classes, we've had a vigorous discussion about this. So I wanted to, I, uh, I wanted to ask you this. So many, especially in the ministerial program, do not believe that we are a Christian religion. Could you just kind of talk to us about uh, Dr. Holmes's viewpoint of, of our relationship with Christianity? He absolutely was Christian uh, from the time <clears throat> I said that his mother and father uh, read to them and uh, from the Bible. They were very Christian. However, they did not believe in the negative that uh, uh, that we come from the uh, dust, uh, we become worms of I don't know, dust and worms and all that stuff that's in there. They did not believe in any of that kind of negative kind of thinking. It was always very positive and very uplifting. And, uh, and for some particular reason during this past year, this whole year, I have taken at least two and maybe, um, well, at least two classes on the Bible. And then there's been lots of references to the Bible, um, wisdom of the Bible. What's what's in there? What what? How does it reflect? And how do we use the principles that we could learn? Um, how do we can we use them in today's life? And or how do we use them in today's life? And so that 
Yes, Ernest Holmes was very, um, he was Christian. He believed in uh, Christianity. Ernest believed that this philosophy can be used by everyone, that the basics of all religions are, um, I think, the, the golden rule in many different languages. Um, the Science of Mind textbook has a whole section about Jesus and his teachings. I say just keep studying and search and do meditation. Only this, only a year ago, did I finally come to the understanding of a voice celestial. Now I know that Dr. Sorensen and his father, uh, Paul Sorensen, Reverend Paul Sorensen, they would do readings of it. But I was never in the place of understanding poetry particularly. But that last time when I began, I just decided I was going to read it and see what I could get from it. It is the most wonderful book, I think, perhaps I've ever read, other than the first book that I read that got me really started was In Tune with the Infinite by uh, Ralph Waldo Trine, who was one of our teachers. And there are many of those wonderful people who were science of mind teachers with Ernest Holmes that people aren't aware that they were. If you'd like more information about the archives, if you go to scienceofmindarchives.org, Dr. Marilyn would really appreciate that. Um, also, uh, again, uh, her latest book called Mother of a Mystic, Life of Anna Holmes is also available now on Amazon in paperback. It's real easy to find. There's also, again, a lot of other uh, books that she's written, Chronicles of Religious Science 1 and 2, also in his company, Ernest Holmes Remembered, and lots of other good things. Dr. Marilyn Leo, thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. Uh, thank you for your love and support of me through the Hefferlin Foundation. I've mm -hmm. really, really appreciated that. And uh, uh, may I go out there and uh, make everyone proud as far as with my ministry. So I really, again, appreciate you being on today. And uh, so Dr. Marilyn Leo, again, thank you so very thank much. You. And and again, uh, I'll see you in class on Wednesday. Right. Thank you All very right, much. Thank you. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Wasn't that a wonderful interview with Reverend Dr. Marilyn Leo? Again, thank you so very much for joining us this evening. Please, if you could, go ahead and share this wonderful interview on your Facebook page. That would be wonderful. For more information about us here at the New Thought Media Network, go on ntmedia.org. Our whole programming schedule is there. Uh, next week, we are going to run a best of, because yours truly is <laughs> taking a weekend off. Uh, but uh, we'll be back the following, we'll be back in two weeks with another fun, thrilled, and jam-packed edition of the Fireside Chat. So from all of us to all of you, thanks for joining us this evening. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us this evening for Friday's Fireside Chat with Pastor Michael Mangus. Join us again next week at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain for more spiritual conversations for today. For more information and replays of past shows, please visit the New Thought Radio and Media Network's Facebook page. Until next week, may God bless you richly and abundantly.